What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Soul with C.F. Smith. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome, 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 friends. You're listening to episode 19 of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your company for this show today. We have an excellent show uh, lined up for you. Uh, before we get to that, however, let me give you the quick rundown. Um, we are Blue in Green Radio. This is the podcast series that runs in conjunction with London UK's Blue in Green Radio. We're an online internet radio station that we specialize in contemporary soul, jazz, funk, Latin and hip-hop music. We have uh, the distinct pleasure and privilege of hosting shows from incredible DJs and presenters from all over the world. And today's episode uh, sees us reconnect with... um, one of the heroes of our station, uh, Mr. Sean Sophia, he is the host and the presenter, the architect of Raw Select Music. Uh, that airs on Blue and Green Radio Wednesdays at 5 p.m. UK. Uh, please check uh, blueandgreenradio.com for scheduled times uh, or replays that may be more appropriate. Uh, for you or for your listening habits his show is a fantastic mishmash of classic soul and funk and uh, contemporary hip hop and jazz and it's just it goes everywhere and it makes for just a just a joy to listen to so we're obviously incredibly thrilled to uh, be able to host shows from Raw Select and uh, also incredibly thrilled to be able to secure time and connect and talk to him so uh, it's a really cool show today it's the second time we've connected I should have looked back actually, I think it was episode four, five, I think we we, uh, we initially connected, it was sort of January 2019, so today's show we talk, um, being obsessed music fans, we talk about collecting, we talk about um, how, how we consume our music, we talk Dilla extensively, and uh, I need to give a heads up about something that we really um, sort of get into near the latter portion of the podcast because I'm not I'm a bit worried that we didn't give it enough context uh, when we discussed it in the show and it's so important and it's um, it's really something that a lot of people should know about particularly in relation to the conversation and, and in relation to uh, Sean Sapphire and his family so uh, I, this will sound out at which won't make much sense now I guess but once you get to it then it will make sense um, we discussed uh, Sean's family in the podcast, and it's an incredible story that we get to talk about. Uh, if you go to uh, YouTube and type in Five Star Family Larry Sophia, S O P H I E A, Five Star Family Larry Sophia, you'll come up uh, with a video, it's about five minutes long, um, uploaded by Detroit Public TV. 
and it details um, his uh, great uh, uncle who had gone into uh, fight in World War Two. Him and his four brothers, and that's why their name, the, the Sophia family, were heralded as the Five Star Family. And it's an incredible story. And uh, the video in, um, meets Larry Sophia, who is our Sean's uh, great uncle, and it's an in it's an amazing story, it's, a, it's an amazing story, and uh, I really recommend you guys check that out, I really hope you will. There will be a link uh, for that video in the uh, description for this uh, podcast episode as well, so hopefully you can do that, but if there isn't that, if that isn't at your disposal, then please type that into YouTube, and uh, you'll see the video, it's about five minutes long, and it'll give you all the context you'd need to know for what we discuss at the latter portion of our podcast. Um... Uh, regular listeners of the uh, podcast will know that there are two songs played on the uh, on each show. Um, our guest picks our closing number, uh, which we are obviously at the completion of the show, and I have the luxury of picking the opening song, which I'm about to do right now. Uh, well, one of the many things, as I said, that we discuss on the show. Today is the release of 14 Carats uh, for my Sanity album, which is available through First Word Records. I had the distinct privilege of being able to review it through our friends at ukvibe.org. And um, it's, one, it's one of Sean's favourites from the year. It's one of my favourites from the year, so I thought it'd be fun to play something from it. We also discuss Mark the Clive Lowe in the show very at the very end. So I thought it would be cool to pick the song that has a 14 carat featuring Mark the Clive Lowe. So uh, the song I'm about to play for my selection is called The Late Bird. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you'll be encouraged to check out the album if you've yet to do so. It's brilliant. So many Boom Green Radio presenters are delving into that for their shows, including Colin at Twisted Soul as well, uh, as well as me, as well as Sean. So, um, yes, I hope you'll be encouraged to check it out. So this is a really cool episode. I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that I've had this time with uh, Sean. Hopefully we'll be able to do it again a lot more frequently than our current six months dictates. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Always a pleasure to have your company as well, friends. Hope you enjoy the episode. We'll be back uh, next week with these podcasts on the first, second, and third on Mondays of each month. So um, we're looking forward to a wonderful series in July 2019. Thanks very much, friends. Hope you enjoy the show.
Good morning, sir. How are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, pro- probably more awake than I w- more awake having slept better than I would have <laughs> had I gotten up at the time that my alarm was supposed to go off. <laughs> Do you have a, a cup of coffee in, in front of you right now, as I do? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, sorry for the little delay, but I had to make sure that I made a new pot of coffee before I started that's, this thing. No, that's that's totally okay. Just to give some context, you're uh, you're in Niigata, Japan. It's eight yes. fifteen uh, on a Sunday morning. Correct. Uh, if I'm in London, UK, and it's quarter past midnight uh, on the night before, it's uh, it's still Saturday night for us. Um, you sent messages from uh, a craft beer festival <laughs> oh, in yeah. Niigata yesterday. Are you feeling the effects of that? Uh, Was that a nice day out? Hard to say. There, I mean, I think I'm in this period right now where there's a very good chance that I'm continuing. Uh, everything is still ha- hasn't quite passed through my system, and there's a very good chance that I'm. <laughs> still drunk from last night i'll be just straightforward with it <laughs> what's a a craft beer festival in Niigata, japan like the general uh craft beer festival in Niigata, japan basically takes all of the different microbreweries that exist around japan they all gather in Niigata, like a mini oktoberfest sort of thing and mm-hmm. they, uh, you pay 4,000 yen, which is roughly about $40, which I think is about 20 pounds. Uh, probably, yeah. Like, Well, actually, no, the rates are what they are now. So it's probably closer to 30, I think. But yeah. You pay 4,000 yen. You get eight tickets and a small little commemorative glass to go along with it. And mm-hmm. you can use those eight tickets to go around to all the different vendors that they have at the uh, at the venue and pretty much drink to your heart's content. Wow. You know, like a Japanese breweries is, is never something I ever considered. Do you know what I mean? I, I never figured that Japan would have been famed for their, their, for their breweries, for their beers. Mm-hmm. I'm and- guessing that's wrong. Um, no, it's actually something over the last few years has started to, uh, gain some popularity and gain some ground They they've always existed, but I think they're now sort of getting more mainstream attention than, uh, they have in like years past. And especially Niigata in general, because it's known for two things. It's rice and it's sake. And right. I, I think now they're starting to get recognized also for some of the different uh, breweries that are in town. Any any particular brewery that you want to shout out? Was there a winner <laughs> oh, yeah. during your taste test yesterday? Oh, yeah. No, no, I still have my wits about me. And Shiga Kogan won that award. So- oh, wow. Okay. This episode a, is now sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could have that much power. <laughs> but no, there, so there, there are several oh. really good breweries around Niigata. Shiga, uh, Shiga Kogen, uh, 
Swan Lake is another one. There's one more. Echigo Echigo beer is also really good. Wow, you're you're a real beer fan. Oh yeah. I when I'm not <laughs> drinking coffee, I'm drinking beer. That's like pretty much the, how the, the this pattern works. How about yourself, Imran? I I'm not I'm not a beer I'm not a beer man. Really? Yeah. No, not a drinker never, at all, or no, not really. No, an occasional like Jack Daniels, an occasional, but no, I'm not really a drinker. Yeah, fair enough. No. Helps you live longer, that's for sure. Well, so they say. <laughs> <laughs> but the copious amounts of cocaine I take. It's, oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> just going to throw that one right down on the table, are we? Yeah, yeah. That might tip the, <laughs> tip the scales a little bit. And okay. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That That's not true at all. I, I should stress. <laughs> um, so oh, I'm mindful of invading your weekend, so I'll, I'll try not to take up too much of your time. I'm greatly no, appreciative of, of your time, though. I really enjoyed hanging out with you last time. It was about, I think it was January that we... Uh, we, we we spoke for uh, an early, our earlier episode, and I've been looking forward to kind of reconnecting with you. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Oh, thank you. No, no, I was really looking forward to uh, being able to talk to you again. Oh, super cool! Thank you very much. Um, well, how yeah, how how how's Raw Select has been? I mean, you, we're kind of halfway into the year, and you've you've really had an amazing output. I think the Raw Select brand is really starting to. Uh, it, well, it's having a great year, and I think the music you've been consuming as well—it's all sort of reflective on your enjoyment of what you're playing. And the radio shows have been fantastic. Your uh, YouTube videos have been—you know—you've been consistently putting those out there. Lots of fun. I love the way you edit those. They're really like they're like there's very very quick edits. Lots of fun to to kind of just watch. I really enjoy them. The quick edits is largely because whenever I shoot a YouTube video. I do everything in one really long take because it's a lot right. easier to do uh, upload t- into iMovie or yeah, iMovie is what I'm using for editing software. Um, it's e- a lot easier to just upload an entire long video and then go through and edit it rather than have bits and pieces. And as a result of that, there's a lot of really long pauses. There's a lot of instances where I say something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> and that's where a lot of those rapid fire edits uh, end up coming about. It's kind of become a trademark of the video, though. I quite enjoy them. And are you more comfortable doing them now? Oh, absolutely. I'm definitely, um, I, I think over time, as I've been doing the videos, I've slowly been finding sort of my voice and the personality that I want to put forward when I do the videos. Mm. I mean, you know, it was always fairly comfortable sitting in front of a camera and talking. Now it's just trying to really hammer home the... Uh, the, the the sort of personality that I really want to put forward in those videos. It's funny because I can't think of anything more petrifying than to sit in front of a camera and talk. Like uh, for me, you know, I, I think that's what radio is. You sit in, alone in, in a room with a microphone. That's great. Mm-hmm. I can do that. But the idea of sitting in front of a camera and just, it's just you. And I find that petrifying. I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide if I find, 
talking <laughs> during uh, whenever I do the Raw Select Radio shows, if that's more difficult. I think for me, because when I'm doing a uh, record review, and I'm still thinking about tweaking the format a little bit as well on those videos, uh, it, it's pretty easy for me to do largely because I'm sitting down with a singular goal in mind, usually to talk about one particular record. And that comes fairly easily to me because I'm, I'm usually spending about a week or so sort of coming up with my thoughts on any given on any given record. Mm. But with the radio show, it, it's because it is so uh, improvisational in nature, sh shall we say, because I almost <laughs> never completely plan out an entire set. Right. Uh, that's actually more difficult for me. I wouldn't say that it's petrifying, but I do find that it's harder to talk about those records in the radio show on the spot than it is for uh, doing a YouTube video. All right. Oh, for me, it would be the other way around. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, something about sort of, I guess, that live nature of, of radio, whereas you, you're on and there's nothing mm. you can do about it. You know, I kind of, I, I, I think I enjoy that. I just sort of do better under that than, uh, than the camera aspect. No, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do that. So I'm always in awe when someone can and does a great job of it. So, so yeah, excellent stuff. You have uh, a few different themes to your YouTube, uh, channel. There's the, you have the, the recent record pickups mm. and your, your recent one, well, you, you talked about the amazing 14 carat for my sanity album, which I'm a huge fan. Oh of. yeah. Such a great album. Yeah, no, I, I'm a pretty big fan of that album. It's yeah. unfortunately gotten overshadowed, though, by the uh, the Mark DeClive Low Heritage Part 1 and 2 right. on Sano record, which is easily my favorite record of the year so far. But I'm aware of the Mark DeClive Low ones. I haven't purchased them yet, but uh, the, uh, the Carl Sano... I, I highly <laughs> recommend you get on those two albums. Yes, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very long to-buy list <laughs> that I'm ah, slowly making my way through. So, yeah, no, both of those are, are on the list. I'm hoping to, uh, to get around and, to and getting those. Actually, things. real quick, because I wanted to ask you a question. Oh, okay. Do you still... Um, do you still purchase most of your music these days? Yeah, yeah, always a always a hard copy as well yeah, whenever possible. You're not a streamer at all? No, I've never. We've we've had shows on this actually. Uh, we've had a few shows sort of where we talk about how people kind of consume music, and I think I'm too um, <laughs> I'm too much of an obsessive. You know, mm. like uh, I need I, I need a tangible uh, product. I need something that I can say is is mine sort of thing and i guess when you you know from a perspective where you have to you know put shows together um uh, you need you couldn't do that i don't think you can uh via streaming the songs as well so um so no i i'm not a streamer i've never gone that way uh but also, also I'm, a, I'm a hard copy guy as well i'll need i'll need a a a, a hard copy a tangible product mm. whenever possible which is annoying because you get sent a nice album 
And if I really like it, I can't just yeah. say, great, I've got the MP3s, I've, I've won. <laughs> I now have to go and pay for the, for, for, the, for the the CD or whatever it is, you know? So how about yourself? You're a vinyl head. I obviously know that much. Yeah, I, and the, honestly, the only reason that I, I've stuck with vinyl, and this is sort of some of the most ass-backwards logic that I've come up with, <laughs> um, is because for the longest time I've never bought a computer that was specifically to be used for DJing and stuff like that, I've just stuck to buying vinyl because I thought it was the easiest uh, way to DJ. Right. Um, what, what I was talking, like, I really want to move to digital. I prefer to be using Serato like everybody else in the world has decided mm. d- decided to do. But I continuously am buying new music, so I never have enough money to pay for a new computer and pay for Serato. <laughs> so I'm in this uh, never-ending cycle of never having enough disposable income to pay for those two things but if you oh, that's really interesting so you're not uh so the, the the concept of 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 like being a vinyl fan that's not attached to being obsessive about vinyl you're just obsessive about new music you're not specifically obsessive about in what form it comes is that right or to some degree. I, I mean, I'm also in the same boat as you as well, where I like having a tangible, physical copy of the music that I'm listening to. Mm. Because I, I've always felt like if all I have is a digital copy of something, I don't actually own it. And it's yes. easy for me to forget about it. And I don't sort of cherish it the same way that I yeah. would if I had uh, a physical copy of whatever album. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Are you, are, do you, as a, just as a fan, do you, you know, if you're just listening to music, are you on Spotify or anything like that? Apple Music? Do you stream? Just no, as I, a, I stick. Wow. I, 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 I stick specifically to, uh, I stick specifically to the music that I have on my phone at any given moment or uh, looking stuff, looking stuff up on YouTube. But no, I'm not on Spotify. I'm not on Apple Music. Not on Tidal. I mean, I have yet to join the rest of the world. Yeah, me too. In the yeah. whole uh, music streaming thing. But when you when you when you play out, do you? I mean, are you surrounded by lots of people who do use vinyl, or do you get a particular reaction because you're one of few who does use vinyl? No, it's still. Um, it's actually still pretty common in uh, Nigata that it, it sort of depends on the age. Uh, it sort yeah. of depends on the age of the person playing. I mean, we've got people in their 50s who are still DJing in Nigata. And they, uh, the older generation still mostly uses vinyl. And... I would say the majority of people are either using vinyl or CDs and the number of people using uh, DVS is actually pretty, pretty small. I would say they're, they're probably the smallest of the, the entire group. Right. I'm, I'm not surprised, I guess. I, I mean, I, 
I think I would have been surprised if it was the other way around. I think the type of music and the culture of it, I would have been surprised if you had said that you were one of few who, you know, and when you were playing out, mm. whether it be hip hop and stuff like that, I would have been surprised if it was predominantly a digital sort of circles that you were running in. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's still pretty uncommon. Uh, there's kind of, do, when you kind of check out independent labels and things like that, are you, have you stumbled onto the sort of the, the resurgence of cassette tapes from certain labels? That one, that one sort of befuddles me. <laughs> I understand. I, I, I understand having things on vinyl because there, there's multi there's many purposes for vinyl. You can use it for DJing. You can use it for home listening. It has a nice, co- a nice large cover. They're fun to collect. Cassettes, I, I just don't get it. It's very strange, isn't it? That one, that, that one flew right over my head. I know, and, and the weirdest thing is, every time I sort of stumble on it, not immediately, but fairly soon, when you find the label and they're selling the album on vinyl, uh, digital, and cassette. So they'll just bypass CDs. But yeah. the cassettes always sell out. And it's like, who, how, and why? Yeah, Where are you, what are you playing them on? People. I don't get it. Who are these <laughs> mysterious people who still have cassette players? I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It's so bizarre. A friend of mine, uh, who's also a beat maker and DJ in town, he put out his own album uh what was that probably like five years ago and he was selling it and it was a cassette and i was like i really want to listen to this and i really want to support my friend but how am i going to listen to this <laughs> and then he tur- and then he's like oh no there's a download card in the middle there's a download <laughs> download card in it I'm like well doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose of putting it that <laughs> What, did he ever talk about what the purpose was? What what compelled? Oh, I him never to got do that it? far into asking him that. Wow! And did uh, did he find he was selling well? Actually, that like was he making question. good sales on his cassettes? Yeah, you know, this is funny because I uh, I've got a friend, another friend in town who does a lot of like one off band gigs, less of a DJ and more of um, involved in the live music scene here, right? And uh, we we were talking, we always inevitably, whenever we have a drinking session, end up talking about the uh, overall picture when it comes to the Niigata music scene. Because it's so unlike any other music scene as far as, I mean, everybody's probably going to say their own local music scene is unlike anywhere else in the world. But I really think that Niigata is in its own strange universe because if there's one thing that uh, my friend and I agreed on is like nobody cares about making money. They j- right. just simply recognize that in this small podunk town that you are either A, going to have to pay the bar at the end of the night because you didn't <laughs> get enough customers to show up, which is a ridiculous concept even in, in, in and of itself. And two... Mm. They've resigned themselves to realize that they will never make money for this hobby that they've decided to take on. So in terms of was his cassette selling well, he probably doesn't even know himself. (laughs) It is crazy. I'm always, it's it's an incredible thing, isn't it? Where you've done something just solely for the, 
for the art of it and mm. not for the kind of anything beyond that. It's kind of like, well, this is in me. I have to get it out. And whatever happens beyond that is, is just what it is. You know, if it does well, that's a bonus, but otherwise I just got to get it out. And yeah, it's an undeniable quality. It's amazing when people have that in them. Uh, you're a bit like me, I think again, for another one that I can deduce just actually from your shows as well as your YouTube videos, but you're, you're, you're very much always thinking about your end of year, lineup of, yes. of who you know you're kind of your best of i have a list whenever i buy something for the year i'll make i'll mark it down so i know what has come out for the year because december i've always i've all blitz my best ofs and and stuff like that so i know can't say no is obviously ranking very high but how else is stuff shaping up what how do you um, think this year music's gone you know you know the funny thing is this year i've been sort of catching up on I didn't think I had that many records from 2018 that I didn't pick up. And honestly, I've been catching up on a lot of 2018 releases this yeah. year. That's the that's the downside of making a best of list, isn't it? Yeah. Because the year the, after you catch up on the there, things There's so many records that would have gotten knocked off that list had I, uh, yeah. if I were able to make that list again, there's so many records that would have gotten knocked off. Oh, wow. Because uh, on 2018 releases, I think I told you about Fourth Kind, Mark Max, uh, oh, yes, Jazz Project. Yes. No, that, that's a solid solid little mini EP. Uh, mm. the, the one that I've been sort of obsessed over that's, uh, that came out in 2018 that I really wish I'd picked up sooner was Idan and uh, Homeboy, San, Homeboy Sandman. Yes, their humble pie. Before, yeah. the, their humble yeah. pie EP is so good. Yeah, you mentioned you were a fan of that. You said it was very short, if I remember correctly. It's very short. It's criminally short. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't even clock in at thirty minutes. I'm pretty sure it's oh. twenty-two minutes long. Oh wow, jeez. Yeah, it's but. I think I heard rumblings of them doing a full project together. So that that's something that I, I would be very excited to see. Is Idan not only produced uh, a record that I think is sort of a modern classic, if you've never listened to uh, the, Be- the Beauty and the Beat. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I don't own that one, but I've, I've heard stuff from it, yeah. It's very... In terms of just raw creativity for a hip hop record, I, I it's phenomenal. the The beats on it, I would actually go as far as to be blasphemous and say, come pretty close to some of Madlib's classic beats. Oh wow! In terms of uh, in terms of just straight up creativity, mm. and this was actually something that I wanted to bring up uh, the last time that we did this is we were talking about influences or reasons that I started the Raw Select radio show. Yeah. Uh, Edon, for a very short period of time, had four radio shows. And upon hearing those, they're still on SoundCloud. Highly recommend that you go back and check them out. Right, I will, yeah. His song selection and personality is top-notch if you've ever seen or listened to edon do anything he's 
He's capable of rapping and DJing. It's pretty incredible to watch him uh, go back and forth and do doubles while rapping at the same time. Have you seen him live or this is just stuff just that you've like, Right. Yeah. And his main thing is he loves drenching everything in reverb and delay. And he just goes completely over the top with it. And his personality plus the delay plus his song selection plus his skills all everything that i just everything that i just mentioned made for such an entertaining radio show that i basically wanted to try to copy that oh wow because see there his format was there was no format although he, he sort of always fell into the trap of playing a lot of psychedelic rock psychedelic rock some funk some soul a little bit of the odd uh, world music, although I think that's a term that it seems like people are trying to get rid of these days. Oh, right. I haven't heard that. And, I'm to get uh, it, yeah. and really, really rare uh, old school hip hop. Yeah. Edon was a big influence in wanting to start the radio show and just pretty much like all the regulars as well, like Giles Peterson uh, J Rock definitely had a uh, hand in that as well. His adventures in stereo radio shows top notch. Giles Peterson for me, I think was was that he was probably the, he's probably been musically I think from you know from the, the the perspective of trying to put a show together. You know, I think he was that person that was the biggest influence. Just his his variety. You know, this this sort of no rules radio. I think is. Uh, has always been something that it takes a long time to kind of get into a zone where you can comfortably do it. But because mm-hmm. um, sometimes it just gets to, you just, it's a very, it's a very fine line between being really eclectic and just having a mess of a show, yeah. <laughs> you know, where yeah, you think that, that, you're that's being a versatile. really good way of putting it. And whenever yeah. I'm jumping around from multiple genres, I feel like that's always the number one thing that I'm afraid of is if I, I'm trying to connect as many dots as possible and mm. not make it sound like a uh, disjointed mess. Yeah, I, I think I said this to you. I don't know if I said this to you when we spoke for the last show or if I put it in a message to you once, but I, 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 that's what I love about Raw Select. I think you, you sort of find I, – I can't think of a time where I listened to something and thought, oh, my God, like you, that, that was a completely – that was out of like that, 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 yeah, where, where those, you know, where something didn't work. You can play something that's wildly different, but in the same way, it just, it just makes sense. Like you'll go from jazz to instrumental hip hop to classic soul or funk, you know, and even those three things are so quite, quite different, but you kind of, you really do find the way to get them all in in a really cohesive way and that's one of the things i've always enjoyed about your show and like instrumental hip-hop i mean you you've immersed yourself in hip-hop in ways i never have you mm-hmm. know i i was a huge 90s hip-hop fan so i stuck to sort of names like that and this is probably the only contemporary hip-hop names i listen to uh it would be like uh kendrick and anderson pack that's probably it but you're 
you're you know you're immersed into like instrumental hip hop and and stuff that almost straddles the line between jazz uh, and such and the way you kind of have a technique of putting those against classic soul and funk records and jazz records it's it's really exciting to listen to a show of yours sometimes it's very very cool so I've never heard anything where I thought oh my gosh that, that but, you know, that was an example where it didn't work. I think you've always found a way to make it work, and it's really cool. Now, a lot of that stems from when, before I was doing the radio show, I was making DJ mix. I was making DJ mixes for every time that I would do an event. And right. whenever I made uh, a DJ mix, the idea was always trying to give the biggest cross section of all the different genres of music that I was listening to and trying to weave them together to make them sound like they belong together. So I think a lot of that instinct is from making those old DJ mixes. Although I was much better at mixing records than I, than I am today back in the day. Oh, oh no. What, why, what changed? <laughs> uh, I feel like my ears are getting worse. <laughs> And uh, the, the number one thing, the number one thing, and to any of the kids listening out there, practice because I don't I don't practice nearly as much as I probably should. Like for like for you, for example, how long will you go uh, not playing music? Like I, I I will go a week or two at a time where I don't even touch my turntables. Oh, right. No, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think just because of the way my routine is with children and things like that, I don't get to hear music at home much. So mm -hmm. the majority of music that I'll consume is really on a commute to and from work. So the idea of sort of getting to sit down with it is, is it's not as, you know, it's you kind of wait till everyone's gone to bed and that's when I'll record uh, like radio shows and things like that. Do you ever but, play um, music for your kids? Do do they respond to the stuff um, that you like? They, yeah, they um they do. I got my my daughter uh, uh, really addicted to Prince for a little while, which was the best <laughs> thing I've ever done. <laughs> you feel pretty accomplished. Um, yeah, it was. I, I felt like I'd done. I'm, I've I've maxed out my parenting for the next 10 years now <laughs> and there's nothing you left grab your packet just throw it over your shoulder and it's like well that's as good as I think life's ever gonna get I'm done here and and I left for a week <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah so I I used to as a kid I, I was when they were young when they were really young I used to try and just you know just have it on as much as possible um but my daughter she's eight so she's like she's immersed in commercial radio you uh, know she's coming like the greatest showman exactly she I, I you know there's a hint of an appreciation for certain things and i will play things and sometimes if it has a good melody that she can grab it she'll she'll mm -hmm. instantly say hey that's that's good and i'm like yes okay i still got it i still got it that cha -cha. well she's so, not um, a teenager yet once she becomes a teenager no. she has to automatically reject everything that her parents like yes I, exactly yeah or i might just put a pile of music say oh this is crap and then instantly <laughs> hopefully just hopefully it, it she'll be drawn to it and then say hey this is wicked and i'll be like yeah oh gosh turn that racket down is but there, i'm loving is, it can you think of something that either your your daughter or your your, your daughters or your wife would be like what on earth is that 
I, I, I'm trying to think. Of uh, well, with my wife, pretty much anything I play is oh, the, really? uh, that's the reaction. We had this oh, conversation, yeah. I think, before where uh, our spouses weren't necessarily on board with with stuff that we were playing. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you weren't you being transferred and transported into sort of EDM territory, if I remember, right? Bluetooth headphones that I wear all the way, all around the house. <laughs> But yeah, I, oh, I can't think of anything specific. I, I I think I've sort of I don't try as much as I used to. Mm. It's like listen to this, listen to this. I think I've I sometimes I've given up where of sort of converting. But every now and then, uh, I'll think, oh my gosh, I think you know my daughter would love this or something. And uh, my, my son's a bit sort of disinterested. He's three, mm. uh, but sometimes I can get something and he'll be like, yeah, that's okay. I'm like, cool, okay. <laughs> I haven't made the prince headway yet, but I'm hoping. Keep to working on that. You might get. It. Yeah, and well, I haven't played stuff because his name is uh, his name's Maceo, mm-hmm. um, and really, uh, I yeah, yeah, we and I never thought we'd actually do it, but we used to when he was just the bump. Um, we used to refer to the bump as Maceo, but my daughter, who was five, she would go to school and write cards, draw cards for Maceo, and the teacher said who's that and we were like well potentially her brother in the next four months <laughs> so so she picked up on it so we just we kind of yeah we, we went with it so I want to get like a compilation of like a hundred shout outs to blow your horn Maceo and just have him just in awe of what's happening <laughs> <laughs> just Prince and James Brown and everyone just uh, George Clinton just saying blow your horn Maceo and just him going what the hell's going on why is everyone on the radio saying my name oh so you're 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 thinking in terms of uh james brown the first thing my mind went to was de la soul oh wow okay wow you are a hip-hop head yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah well no i go yeah james brown i guess that was my introduction to to maceo parker so when he started working with prince i was over the moon i couldn't believe that one but you're right de la soul absolutely yeah. And he he also then if you, here's a really fun fact Maceo Parker plays saxophone on Delight's Groove is in the Heart did really? you know that yeah well I know that the uh, shoot what is that what is that sample Be, because everybody thinks that Delight uh, that bass line is uh, Bootsy Collins which it's not it's uh, sample right. Herbie Hancock right yes. Which uh, actually, I ended up buying that record uh, towards the end of towards the end of last year. It's not really worth it. Not <laughs> not really that interesting. What the the, the delight record or the Herbie Hancock record? The Herbie Hancock record. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, is it not that good? <laughs> for how much I paid for it, did <laughs> the value didn't match up with uh, the. The expectation, yeah, <laughs> is, is is spending still a, a, a problem when it comes to records? Oh, absolutely! Actually, shortly <laughs> after the shortly after this interview is over, I I have a order of records coming. So, oh, lovely! So I got a bunch of more, uh, this order is definitely more hip hop oriented because I've been trying to find more stuff to be able to play out when uh, I do my friend's hip-hop event that he started back in May. So it, it's really funny. 
that mm. I, this is probably something that only I care or am worried about because the majority of people who go to events probably don't even notice this. But I have this sort of mentality where I can't repeat myself. And I feel guilty if I end up playing the same song, the same song more than once. Not necessarily in the same night, but in subsequent events. No, I was going to say, I I completely understand. I'm the exact, exact same, uh, even with radio shows. Mm. Sorry to interrupt there, but no, I'll, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You wait for that one loser at the back who says, wait a minute, you played that a month ago. And you're like, hey, I hate you. He's a complete and total figment of my imagination. No, but you want him to exist because then you're like, oh, you listen, you heard me, you know what I'm doing. Well, and and also it it allows me to uh, justify buying more records as well. (laughs) Like I I can, I I can make up any justification to pick up more music. It yeah, this is why my my uh, my wallet and bank account is always hurting. Well, streaming could be our future, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that that one's still sort of befuddling to me. Like the idea of now, a lot of the different DJ software, you can actually stream songs wow. in, instead of having to use uh, the MP3. So you can go uh, straight from Spotify and all the different other streaming services and play the music out like that. I had no idea. It's amazing. Wow. That, that just seems so... And like having... So one of the, one of the thing one of the things that constantly comes up whenever I do a Raw Select radio show is me staring at my record collection slack-jawed and wondering, what am I going to play this time? (laughs) Just being completely overwhelmed, because like I said last time, I I roughly have about a 1,000 records. And since I'm not working from a playlist, it's constantly a struggle every time that I sit down to record to look at my record collection and be able to say, that's what I want to play. Mm-hmm. And somehow make it work. Sometimes I'm a little bit more, feel better about it than others. Somehow it manages to come together. But where I was going with this in terms of how it relates to the streaming thing. So not being able to figure out what to play with only uh, a thousand records is one thing. But can you imagine having... Basically, in the world's entire library of music at your fingertips, and trying to DJ from that, that's obscene to me. That's insane. Yeah, no, I never thought of it like that. I don't know. That's good and bad, isn't it? It's Having more music does not make it easier to DJ. I think in a lot of ways, it actually makes it harder. Because you have to be that much more aware of the music that you own. And uh, especially for me, one of the things that I always feel sort of guilty guilty of is not knowing my records as well as I would like to. When I, right. had, a, when I had a smaller record collection, I was, uh, especially when I was practicing a lot, 
more when I was a lot hungrier back in the day. Uh, you'd play the same record over and over and over again, and you would learn, here's the nice intro, here's a good point to mix out of the record, and you would play around with that over and over again. That's something that I, I feel like I should be doing a lot more than I'm doing right now. But you're, so you're buying that much. Do you ever have a clear out of, of, do you ever go through records and say, here's like 20, 30 records that I, I'm not a fan of, or I don't. I, I, I do that pretty much like every six months. So well, that's good then. Yeah, no, I, I, I try to look, uh, I, I try to go through my record collection and once it starts, uh, all my shelves start bursting at the seams <laughs> i start i start looking and it's like okay which records do i really need to get get rid of and inevitably more records end up staying than i would like to like to mm-hmm. but no I, I i generally prune my collection uh pretty often well that's good so you're you're not obsessive about your stuff like that if i don't play it I, I don't see a reason to hold on to it. I, I'm not a collector in that in that sense. Yes. And I don't understand the mentality of owning a record just to own it. If you're not using it to DJ with, or if you don't, uh, if you're not going to listen to it, there is no reason to have that record. Because I know um, people... No, no, completely. Uh, go ahead. You're going to tie in, I think, something I was about to say. But you, yeah, you know people who, I guess, are hoarders. Yeah, the, like people respect. who coll- who collect records uh, just to uh, just for bragging rights, hmm. just to have a record to say that you have a record. And it's like, well, do you listen to it? No. Do you play it? No. Then why do you have it? <laughs> but it taps into I, it's that obsessive nature, isn't it? Where I think it's some people are. I'm I'm obsessive. I, I and I've identified that, and I think it gets to a hoarding thing. <laughs> I mean, that's it, it the first step to getting over your problem. I know, admitting and acknowledging that you have a problem. I yes, know it's exactly. it's yeah. There's a, an amazing documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's it's actually it's it is on YouTube. I don't know how old it is. I think it's like early two thousands. Um, it's mm-hmm. called uh, Vinyl, and it's by Alan Zweig. Uh, Z W E I G. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll do my best to send you the link. Oh yes, um, if you could. I'm always looking for more music documentaries. So it, yeah. Well, this is specifically about vinyl collectors, and it oh, is nice. fascinating. Like I've watched it a couple times, and you've you've got people in that who, like, there's one guy whose goal is to collect every record ever released, mm-hmm. and you know the the, the guy is saying to him, "You understand that that's impossible." And he's like, oh, yeah, but I, I just I can't stop doing it. And he'll buy, you know, Turkish music, Middle Eastern music, and he'll just buy anything. If he doesn't own it, he'll buy it. Now, that's that's the extreme. That is obviously you're so far gone at this point. And it's 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 a fascinating thing about the sort of the obsessive nature. And that it's if it wasn't vinyl, basically, for some of these people, then it would have just been something else. Yeah, you know and, I mean, it's not a commitment yeah. to the music at all. It's just that nature is there, and it's it's clung to the vinyl aspect. But if it wasn't that, then it would have been something else. But there was I, I'm trying to think if it was short lived or not. But uh, there was on YouTube a 
series called Crate Diggers from uh, Fuse Network, which was basically trash. But the Crate Digger, <laughs> Digger said, uh, segment that they did was fantastic. And that was generally the overall vibe that I got from watching people like Diamond D, Cut Chemist, uh, Newmark. If you've never seen mm. that series, I highly recommend checking it out. I haven't. I will do, yeah. The format's a little bit corny, but just the chance to look at a lot of these guys' uh, record collection is wor- worth it in and of itself. Like, J- mm. looking at J-Rock's record collection is something ridiculous. Because I wow. think he has somewhere in the vicinity of sixty to 70,000 records. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. What do you do with that? What do you do with sixty to 70,000 records? That's insane. He must have so many duplicates that he doesn't even realize. He, he has to. <laughs> that's too much. That's not even, that's not an NGV <laughs> collection at all. That's too, that's ridiculous. Wow. I don't know what to say about that. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that Giles Peterson has to have something in the well, vicinity of that as well. He must get sent though, I guess, so much as well. I, yeah, I wonder. I, I would be very curious to find out how much of his collection is bought, and how much of it is just different promos and stuff like that. Mm, that's crazy. Wow! And someone, well, someone else I wanted to discuss with you, who mm-hmm. obviously I think we both know has a had a a, a very extensive record collection, uh, was was Dilla, and um, you had a, a, a fantastic tribute show to him earlier this year february being uh revered as dilla month across the world yes. uh, episode 23 i think of raw select you had a just a, a wonderful uh dilla tribute show i was hoping to talk to you for a little bit about dilla and what his music meant to you and and how I, much I of a fan in, you were i i came into uh sort of dilla's music really really late Mm. I picked. Yeah, up, you said donuts. I yeah. think it was your first time. Yeah. Yep. No, I start. I started with donuts, and it was based off of the news that he had passed away because I, I was oh, wow. just getting into Stone's Throw at the time. With when I had heard that he had passed away, I, I was just sort of inexplicably drawn to picking that album up, and over time. What was really funny about a lot of Dilla's music was I wasn't that blown away when I first listened to it. It was only over time as I gained even more appreciation and understanding of how hip-hop production works that I started really realizing how on another level he was. Mm. Like Donuts is a really fascinating record that I really like listening to. Because in a way, a lot of it is just some of the most insane loop chopping I've ever heard. If you really listen to it and really get into the nitty gritty of it, it's a lot of really big and little chunks of songs being masterfully chopped up. It's hard to describe but once I sort of, once I've sort of realized that, 
I was like, wow, this record's on another level. Mm. And the other one that, for whatever reason, didn't really do anything for me for a long time, and then just all of a sudden, it just made total sense, was uh, Fantastic Volume 2. Oh, gosh, that's a, oh, I adore that record. I, I, I mean, nowadays, I absolutely love it. But I bought it on a whim at uh, a local record store, uh, the... There was it was this really really cool record store where uh, it was run by this one old guy who had uh, didn't have any listening stations. If you wanted to listen to a record, you had to sit on the couch that he had there and listen to the record. Listen to the record with him, and whenever he would put on a record, he would do this sort of like closed eyes stevie wonder sitting at the piano dance back and forth <laughs> and he also had a uh vacuum tube uh sound system in the store so everything that he played in that store sounded absolutely amazing and he threw on jealousy as the track that he thought was the best representation from that album mm. and immediately upon hearing that I was like, oh, I have to buy this. And then I took it home and one, didn't sound nearly as good on my crappy uh, <laughs> stereo system that I have at home. And two, for the longest time, I was just like, I don't really get this record and shelved it for a long period of time. And then just years later, went back, uh, listened to it, recorded it so I could listen to it on the go. And just all of a sudden, like, yeah, this records amazing wouldn't when you sort of became a fan you would have mm-hmm. obviously picked up on like or uh like tri- beats rhymes and life tribe and love movement tribe and far side you must have would, did you have any kind of affinity to those records like drop and run in and she said and stuff like that you must have been like oh my gosh dilla produced that i love that did you have that I kind of I, connection or were you not a fan of that stuff at that point either it, it's sort of hard i'm, I'm trying to run through my memory in terms of like how I, how and when I got into uh, different periods of time, because I also had uh, the J Dilla or JD compilation that uh, delicious records put out. Yeah. Had all collected all of those different remixes and all the different productions that he did for far side and what was that new jazz group that was on Delicious Records? Help me out here. What the, 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 the brand new heavy stuff was on yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well. Didn't Thank it? you. See, I knew I could count on you for that. <laughs> and then I, I think I just over time started to find out uh, all the different groups that he had produced for. Yeah. And uh, what, once once I got hooked that's when I started going through a period of just buying everything and anything that had yeah. uh, Dilla's name attached to it. There's still, uh, there's still a couple of must haves that I want in my collection that I don't have yet. Specifically, I'm still looking for his remix of Macy Gray's, uh, that one Macy Gray track that. Oh my, that's so funny. I bought that on CD single like two weeks ago. I saw it in a charity shop. I um I try. Yes, yes. Yeah. I could send you an okay, MP3 if you wish, but I, I, I actually I saw I just rummaged through um 
uh, I was in, yeah, just the charity shop. I had some time. I saw it and I went through it and I bought it for, you know, like a pound, pound, I think. Um, that's so bizarre that you would say that. I literally just bought that on CD single. Yeah, no, that that's definitely one of, uh, of all of Dilla's remixes. That That's top tier and it's always been one of my most wanted uh, Jay, Jay Dilla tracks. And wow. I, I know I keep bringing up J Rock in this uh, inter- in this conversation, and a big thing that really changed my perspective and really made me appreciate J Dilla even more was I don't know if you've ever listened to J Rock's "Thank You J D" DJ mix series that he that he did, but the, it contains a lot of. Uh, Jay Dilla remixes and Jay Dilla oddities. It has all of his more well-known tracks, plus a lot of his uh, lesser-known remixes and other songs that he produced. And it's all put together brilliantly by uh, J Rock. So if you ever run across, if you ever run across that mix series, highly recommend you check it out. I will do, yeah. Um, I'm always surprised that I'm still discovering stuff by him, like from really old stuff from nineties as well. Um, I, I'm, yeah, yeah I, 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 no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, like I'm not at all versed in his J 88 stuff. Like I have right. the early first, I have the first down single, right? The him and fat cat. And that's really interesting because you can really hear I think that record predates any of the stuff that he did with Farside. And the two tracks that are on there are uh, very, you, you can hear the sort of seeds of the Farside in those rec- in those two right. tracks. Uh, I think you played, was it the JD remix of She Said on your... Yes. Uh, on your, on your, your, oh, no, your, your comp. Um, oh, what shoot. Did she said? No, it wasn't. I, I, it wasn't. She said it's, uh, shoot. Shoot. I, I, I almost feel like running and going to grab that record real quick. Cause I know it's, <laughs> where it is. uh, no, it, it's, I gotta get something to mean something or something like that. Oh, okay, okay, right. Yeah. I thought, yeah, right, right. Yeah, you, you played that one, which I, um, I, it's a, I, I didn't actually know that there was a, uh, 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 I didn't actually know the the Lab Cabin album had JD remixes. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. But uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely would have had Running from that. That's one of that's one of my absolute. Well, Running, uh, Running, unfortunately for me, got sort of killed uh, yeah, okay. by a bunch of local DJs around here that would constantly drop it in DJ sets, and it right. got to the point where it was just like, "All right, I've heard this song enough." Yeah, but yeah, running is an absolute classic production. Yeah, from JD for Amazing sure. Song. Yeah, I, if I let's see, right off the top of your head, can you think of your top three D, uh, J Dilla tracks? Oh wow, um, I I loved, and I was very happy you included it. I think it just at the end, but his cover with uh, Duelle of the uh, Donald Bird Think Twice. Yes. I was God. I, I I can't tell you that record. I used to just play that all the time, and it has the worst interlude in the world to 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 finish this song. Of and then, like, the, <laughs> the interlude into, into the clapper. 
Yes. Yes. It's the worst thing to put on <laughs> such a gorgeous song. It is just perfection. And every time I used to play it out, mm-hmm. I'd always like, you got to chop it. you got to chop it. And, you know, you, mm. you can't do it smoothly sometimes, but it's just such a, like, it's a complete reinvention of the song. I love it when he sings uh, as well. He, he sounds awesome. Uh, that's that's definitely in there. There's um, a track. Um, I, I someone on OK Player gave me like an extended version on MP3, but from The Shining, there is uh, the like a minute interlude of it's called Love Jones. Oh, yes, yes, there is. I love that there. record. Yeah, and someone uh, they, apparently there was an extended version. It's like three minutes. Yeah, uh, there, uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. on uh, the. Uh, what is that? Oh, it was made as a B-side or something. Yeah, no, it it, it was released on vinyl with the extended di- extended edition. Yeah, won't do. Oh, I see. Oh, I love that record. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. They. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know where the where you got it from. He just. I think I I put in the like the forum. Oh, I'd love this. Is the song is so criminally short, and then next thing yeah. you your inbox and there's a three minute version. I was like, oh brilliant but it's i was, I, was a huge... I, I always sort of overlooked and didn't really care about that song for the longest time but mm. for whatever reason i was dwelling on that record lately and i was thinking man that love jones track is pretty sweet yeah i love that record yeah but i was always a bigger fan it's funny because the name change for me was there was a there was a difference in the output from dilla to jd and i was a way bigger fan of jd um, so his sort of late nineties, early naughty stuff. It was the the smoothness of it. You know, I just a huge fan of like his stuff for common on like water for chocolate, mm-hmm. uh, the far side stuff, the uh, beats, rhymes, and life stuff. Some of his best, I think. Um, Fantastic volume two is a glorious record. Climax never gets any love, but I I lie crazy oh. about that record. Oh, climax climax is up there for sure. I, I, love, I love that. It. Yeah, and. Uh, the only other one I've, I know you asked for top was it top three? I've given fifteen, but uh, I think yeah, another one I, I really I, 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 I can do this all day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I love the the Bilal record that he did, reminisce with uh, Most Deaf and Common. Ugh, I love that record. Love, love, I don't think love. I've ever heard that before. It's um, it, it was available on Bilal's debut record. Um, I oh, you've got to listen to it. It's it's really an incredible song. It's called Reminisce, and it features Most Deaf and Common. It's just, it's bliss. It's really, really bliss. Um, I'll try and send you a link to that one as well. But who, oh, yeah, do. what was you, your your top? I guess you would have played them on the show, but what would be your top three or five? Uh, your Dilla tracks. Yeah, they're going to do this in no particular order. Um, his remix for D'Angelo's uh, Dreaming Eyes of Mine, definitely way oh, lovely. There. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the swing that he put on, put on that track is just, absolutely out of out of this world yeah. mm. um the uma remix of janet jackson's uh don't know what you got until it's gone right yes i didn't know that there was another one i knew there yeah, there's the two versions mix. of it apparently i had no idea be- yeah you played the uma one didn't you i yeah. had the revenge mix i didn't know that there was an uma one and a lot of that was apparently based out of some uh, record label BS because like when the song came out, the remix that Jay Dilla did was used, but she didn't give him credit for it. 
Or that, her that, camp that, didn't give him credit for it. That was such a weird situation. Like, yeah. Was, like, because they, there was the, the album version, which JD, who wouldn't lie, mm-hmm. he came and said, like, he was open about, because that I produced that song. But then Jimmy yes. Jam and Terry Lewis said, no, you didn't. We did. And I thought, well, you're Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I mean, you don't need to lie. Yeah. You know, so... And then next, you know, there's a JD revenge meme. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so funny. Yeah, I never really understood it, but uh, yeah, I will. Um, yeah, uh, other Jay Dilla tracks, and I, I have to look this up because there's one track in particular from Slum Village that I I, I just think beats. I mean, obviously, a track. Obviously, a track like uh, "Fall in Love" is oh god, yeah, is way up, is way up there. But uh, I'm doing this strictly by just looking at the track list, and I think, yeah, no, it's not going to come to me. It's a J eighty eight track, which obviously worst line village, but is it the look of love? Because that's that's another one that's very up there for oh, me. Oh, look, look of love is look of love is up there, but there's one track in particular, and I think it's I, I think it's untitled from Fantastic Volume Two, where okay. the the sampling, uh, the way that the the backing track sort of drops out in as uh J as J Dill is doing the rapping doing his rapping on the track is just un unreal the 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 uh production on that song right um let's see won't do is definitely up there i think that's one of yeah. he, he, but not even won't, won't do i think uh so far to go with D'Angelo off of oh and common yeah, yeah. Is definitely up there and I've always been a huge fan of uh, Two Can Win from Donuts. Okay. Favorite Donut, is it? Favorite track on Donuts? Favorite track on Donuts might actually be Lightworks. Oh, wow. I'd have to go with Time. Clear winner from oh, the start. Have you read the 33 and a Third book about that record? No. Ooh, highly recommend checking that one out because it really dives into the history and sort of the meaning behind that record. Yeah, he did. Um, I think before he he passed away, he did the uh, the there was the Jlib album, and um, he had uh, he was touring with Madlib. Yeah, and uh, they had they were they were going to the jazz cafe, and I can't remember why I opted not to go. I don't know if I I just I was had plans or something I had no one to go with. I can't remember why I didn't end up going, That's but that was the, yeah, that was, that was a real kick in the, in the teeth, but it was the night when he, his, his illness had really taken over and they carried him down the jazz cafe steps in his wheelchair for him to perform on stage. And I, ugh, to have been there for that, like it would have been, you know, to have seen him just, not stopping, you know, for him to have just been in this situation. He's like, no, I'm here to perform and I'm going to do it even from a wheelchair. I mean, that was, that was incredible just to hear about it. Yeah. And that, that was, I mean, you know, finding out a lot of this stuff sort of later on after I had already started getting into Jay Dillow, 
to be that driven to have one sort of purpose in life, I mm. it, 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 I I just think it's so incredible and so inspiring how like he had one thing that he had to do and that was make music and that's it and that's all he lived for it was it was a real shame i was uh, i was very uh 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 sad when when the news broke about his his passing i was i was quite a big fan for some time so it was uh it was such a it was such a loss and it was a real shame but the legacy he's left behind the legacy that he's sort of that people have embraced is is it's wonderful to see to a certain degree, I, I think I'm sort of in a little bit of a controversial, I have sort of a controversial stance when it comes to how his legacy has been handled since his passing mm-hmm. with a lot of the uh, sort of posthumous releases that they've been putting out. A lot right, of them okay. feel like tracks that really never should have seen the light of day. Yes, right. I see. But I I. I it's kind of also by the same token, since it is run by his family, largely by his mother, I can't really fault him, fault them for that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I always, to me, I draw a line under it. So in my mind, The Shining was his last record. Yeah. Because, I mean, and even that is sort of debatable because it needed people to come in and finish it. You know, yeah. it wasn't a complete record. And when you compare that, that releasing of material with Prince, for example. Now, Prince, if it wasn't released, then he didn't want people to hear it. Yeah, and that he's he's he was very open about that. So, if you know, I, I kind of I wrestle with this as a as a real fan. But to purchase these posthumous releases that have been coming out, there's another one due out fairly soon. You know, as a fan, he did not want it heard. You know, yeah. and even though that is his family that's still putting it out, you kind of think, well, if you're a real fan, you're not going to buy this record. But I don't think that that would have been the case with with Dilla. I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like people. I mean, for me, it's sort of a case of you would know it's not finished. You would know it wasn't a material, for example. And it's a case of if you want to get your hands on something, then here it is. But you've got to take it for what it is, you know. Yeah. No, that and actually taking that sort of stance that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of it also comes from Madlib was interviewed after sometime after Dilla's death, and he was saying, and this actually got him in a lot of uh, hot water. When I pass away, I'm having my family burn my entire uh, music oh, library because wow. I don't want them to do to my legacy what uh, people have done to Dilla's. Oh, I didn't know he. Oh, I didn't know he said that. Blimey! Yes. Wow. Oh, he. I think he likes for the amount of music that he puts out. Uh, I I still think that he likes having some control over what gets out yeah. into the world. Yeah. Madlib's an interesting character in and of itself. In in and of himself. Yeah, I can't even think the amount of unreleased stuff he would have. Uh, the amount, considering he says, I think of all the music that he makes, only about twenty percent of it actually gets released. Oh my gosh! Wow. And, and the considering he also says that he's basically constantly making music. That I mean, you're probably sitting on an 
disgust like an unbelievable amount of music yeah and that's the thing though if you don't i mean anyone that creates art in any context whether it's a book a painting uh music if you're if it's not finished then a lot of people don't want people to see it because you don't judge it in the right way and i guess for stuff to come out afterwards is it's got to i guess in some some perspectives it's got to be quite difficult to say what do you you know this this isn't finished this isn't what the artist would perhaps even deemed good so for it all to come out and have his name on it must be must be difficult at times i can imagine I would, I would think so. But from I'm mindful of time. There's there's something else I was desperate to talk to you about. So from one hero to an to another, oh. I, I was oh, thrilled. Okay. You are going to ask me about this. I am. I am. I was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was. I was really excited about it. Um, you. Uh, I'll let you set this up if I may. You. You earlier today. You sent this amazing uh, uh video about being a part of of the five star family and, and yes. your your uncle. Uh, may I ask you to, to sort of summarize the, the video that you sent? Okay, so part of the reason that video came about was when we were list when I was listening back to the interview that I did earlier this year. Uh, you mispronounced my last name, which I know because <laughs> everybody mispronounces my last name. And even funnier, I realized that in that video, my uh, uncle, my he, he's actually my great uncle. Uh, okay. That they don't say the name. They don't say our family's name, which I find right. absolutely hilarious. But, uh, <laughs> my last name. My last name is pronounced Sophia. Sophia. Okay. Sophia, and I said yeah. Sophia. Yep. Yep. Which is the Sophia. common go-to mispronunciation. Yeah. Okay. Name. But I. Well, apologies. No. 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 I've got. I have been used to it for the last thirty-five years. So. <laughs> I, I've heard every single mu- uh, mutation and mutilation of my last name. So, <laughs> um, no, I've uh, a lot of it was me getting when I've had that much to drink. I get fairly sentimental sometimes. Oh, wow, okay. And uh, one, I love that video. I, I love it's a beautiful hearing video. Yeah, the, those. Uh, I love hearing those. Uh, old story, old stories. My grandfather used to talk about his time in uh, World War II as well. And honestly, I'm not entirely sure why I sent that to you, but I it was just uh, I was going back and watching that video that my uh, one of my cousins had brought to my attention, and I just I love his perspective on things. Just the, especially one of the things that he talked about was the, uh, the four hour truce between him and, uh, his his side and the German, the German side. And during that four hour truce, uh, giving both sides a chance to gather their wounded and gather their deceased and then looking at each other and trying to find some common ground. And then the four hour truce is over and they're back to shooting at each other. And him him coming to the conclusion is like, this is asinine. Why are we doing this? It's crazy. It was a, it was a beautiful video. I watched it a couple of times. I showed it to my wife as well. Mm. Um, I can't think of the, the immense pride you must feel. So there's, it was your great uncle and his four brothers 
the, you had five yes. that, hence the, the title of five star family that all went went off to to fight but all came back yeah that i mm, yeah i couldn't i just remember i just remembered that as well too that's yes yeah. my, my, my other favorite story that larry tells in, in that and i actually if memory serves me right i i'd have to ask i'd have to double check with my dad on this but I'm pretty sure Larry is the only one who's still alive to this day. Because my my grand my uh, my grandfather, who's actually in that in that picture, I think he's watching one of his brothers getting fed by his uh, by his mother when they, when they're all at home. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure Larry. I'm pretty sure Larry is the only one that uh, is still alive. And if I remember correctly, he's still running a bar in Detroit. Wow, he's got to be close. He was a pr- a principal as well, right? Yeah, yep. He was a wow. principal principal as well. When was the last time you saw him? My dad's fortieth birthday, so it's about twenty years ago. Oh my gosh, can't can't imagine how old he's got to be right now. But I'm pretty sure he was my grandfather's. No, no, I'm, I take that back. He wouldn't be my great uncle. He'd just be my uncle because he was my uh, grandfather's brother. And I'm pretty sure he was one of the younger brothers because my grandfather came from a family of 12, if memory serves me right. Right. So, and I think Larry was one of the uh, the younger brothers, but I'd, ha- I'd have to double check because it's hard to keep these large families all, right. all in order. Both my mother and father come from very large families. My mom is the oldest of seven. My dad is the youngest wow. of six. There's wow. a whole lot of relatives in, in, mixed in between that. And it's hard to keep track of them. And you're, I didn't know you, you're, 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 you're Lebanese or both your parents? Yes, uh, my, as well. my father's side. My, right. my father's side. So it was funny because I kind of wanted to bring this up when uh, we did the first interview. Mm. You were talking to... Uh, Le Mali, Le Mali, I think um, I yeah, the yeah, Mali, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was talking about having a bit of an identity crisis in one of her yes. podcasts, and yeah. that has been my existence growing up because, albeit Lebanese is the most dominant of all of my heritage, the rest I am a complete and total mutt. Lebanese is the Highest percentage, and everything else is a little bit of everything. So, where where is your mother from? My mother is uh, her family's from all over the place. Right, that's like from my father's side. It's fairly easy to follow my sort of genealogy because it's Lebanese plus a lot of European. But when it comes to my mother's side, I there's so much mixed heritage in there that it's impossible to keep track of much like everybody else in the u.s i have like a small percentage of native american blood probably still more than elizabeth warren take it (laughs) (laughs) but was she on 0.02 percent or something i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) but that that meme that meme uh amused me to no end Uh, no. Bless her. You could see what she was trying to do, but oh, absolutely! Yeah, but... I know exactly what she was trying to do, and it fell flat <laughs> on 
in yeah. place and that um, that amused me to no end how do you kind of wear the the the, the tag of being a sort of a a, a a result of so many different kind of cultures and well because uh, I, I feel like most people really don't know that much about uh lebanon i always i i try as much as possible to put that if i have to put one heritage before another i put Leban, lebanese at the front of everything mm. so i enjoy a lot of lebanese food i try from time to time to look up lebanese history and really try way, doesn't it yeah you gravitate towards one sort of from 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 sort of where your parents are from there's always like for me i, I tend to say i'm greek Mm-hmm. Um, because of, you know, it's, my parents were, 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 were mixed. My, uh, but my, my mom's Greek Cypriot and that was, that's kind of the one I've, I've gravitated towards the most. Do you have really good food? Yeah, we do. As do you, my friend. Oh yes. Japanese. Well, and that's the funny thing in that area of, uh, like the Middle East and the Mediterranean, like Lebanese food and, uh, Greek food are actually pretty similar. They are I mean, very, everything yeah. basically just drowning in olive oil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's beautiful stuff. Yeah, oh, it's wonderful. There is uh, every time oil, best back, thing. <laughs> every time that I go back to uh, every time that I go back to the states near my dad's uh, near my dad's house, there's a place called uh, Aladdin's Pita that makes their <laughs> makes their own uh fresh hummus and uh i think that i think it's called kimage which is like a flatter but more sturdy version of pita bread right then oh, it's the the hummus is anybody who's ever told you that hummus is supposed to be health food is lying to you because they've <laughs> never had real hummus real hummus is swimming in olive oil Right. And yeah, it's cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the best food. It really is. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big Greek food fan. I'm a big fan of uh, Lebanese and uh, Moroccan as well. I, yeah, I could just sit at a table for hours eating uh, lamb and olive oil. <laughs> yeah, how can you go wrong? I know it's a yeah. So that's yeah, it's wonderful, yeah. I can't, yeah, no. But uh, regarding the the uh, the video you sent and the sort of the the kind of introduction to your family in that respect, I I was really happy you sent it. I I can't think the the pride you and your 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 family must feel about about having that distinction. It's incredible. So I I think it's pretty easy to sort of take it take it for granted. But yeah, it's a video mm. that I, I like going back to. And I actually also like sharing with people because it's like, I, I do sort of take a little bit of pride in knowing that this is where uh, some of my family heritage comes from. Mm. Oh, I'm thrilled you sent it. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm I'm glad you appreciated it. Yeah, as I said, I watched it a couple of times. I said, my wife watched it. She, uh, yeah, she was really taken back by it as well. So we're really happy that you sent it. Um I'm mindful of how much time I've taken of your of your Sunday morning. No, not so, at all. Uh, I'm, I'm actually I, starting to wake up now, so. <laughs> <Are> you starting? 
as soon as that coffee started, we need to hit that Japanese beer again. <laughs> yep, yep. No, no. I, I um, think I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty sober. The problem is now I'm extremely jittery because I polished off basically a <laughs> pot of coffee during the uh, duration of this conversation. Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, well, I want to thank you for your time, dude. It's I've really enjoyed it, and I really hope we'll uh, have the opportunity to do it again in a couple of months. I, yeah, I, I hope, hope to do it in uh, better better state than I did it this time around. But yeah, no, I really appreciate the conversation. I always love talking to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. I really appreciate that. So, the only thing left is your is your final song pick to take us home. Yes, and the song that I chose today because I figured. Living in Japan, one of the things that I don't do enough and I feel sort of like I'm neglecting my duties is sharing enough Japanese music. So I decided to go with uh, Kansano's song from his new album, Ghost Notes. The name of the track is Sit at the Piano. And what I, 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 when I first listened to this track, one of the things that really sticks out to me is it sounds a lot like what Kiefer's doing right now. Are you, right. are you familiar with Kiefer's music? At I all? am. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the first thing that struck me about that track is, wow, Kansano is doing Kiefer's music better than he is. Oh gosh. <laughs> because I felt this, like the way <laughs> the, I'm sure he is Kiefer. I love your music, by the way, but I, there, there's, there's a certain elegance. There's a certain, uh, m- there's something more, the melody stands out more to me. The drums h- hit harder and work better for me. And I just, there, there's something about the track that just sort of, uh, it hits me emotionally as well. And I wanted to, try to get more uh i've always wanted to try to get more japanese music into Mm. dj sets and talk about it more on my youtube channel and i figured this kansano track sort of fits in perfectly with uh the sort of music that i play on my radio show as well as i think a lot of the music that the people who listen to blue and green radio would find interesting brilliant Thanks. I look forward to checking the record out. You've given such a high recommendation. Yeah, it's like your favorite record of the year. So, but definitely, thank you. Def- definitely mm. give that Mark to Clive Lowe a listen as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That one's yeah, right yeah. up your alley. Oh yeah, I, I think it would be. I and I, you know, I love him. So uh, he's, you know, he's his output's flawless. So yeah, it, it's on the list. It really is. So I hope to get it fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, I really, so, yeah. I really butchered this opportunity. Uh, so a while ago. I, uh, when I posted a uh, blog post about one of Mark DeClive Lowe's tracks from that album, he, uh, re- he had reposted it. And I okay. sent him a uh, private message on Instagram and I'm saying, oh, thank you for the repost. And he said, thank you for writing, uh, write- thank you for writing the post. I thought that was pretty cool in and of itself. And he is apparently, as of next month, starting a residency in Japan, doing shows. Hmm. And I'd sent him something along the lines of, man, someone's fucking up on my end. Why aren't you doing shows in Niigata? And he had sent me a message is like, hey, uh, can I get your uh, your info 
in terms of like trying to set up an event to get Mark to Clive Lowe to play in Niigata. And I took a week to get back to him because I was, didn't know what to say. <laughs> and then I sent him a message back in, uh, it, I sent him a message back thinking, uh, saying like, Hey, uh, what, what information are you looking for? And he never got back to me. Was, oh no. I'm so disappointed about that. I, it was one of those things where I knew I needed to follow up on it way faster than I did, but I was just sort of uh, dumb, dumbstruck that I was talking to this guy. Oh, I know. Yeah, topic that actually I wouldn't mind getting into next time. I can tell you about uh, all the different people that I've met, DJed with, and talked to in my time oh, in Japan. Yeah. Brilliant. We're off to a good start. We'll have to arrange something very soon then. I look forward to that. All right. Sounds good. But yeah, I know you're, I got to be mindful of your time as well, because we're probably getting into uh, the witching hour for you. It is a little bit, but that's no, that I'm okay. I'm okay. But uh, um, I look forward to, to talking to you again. I want to thank you again for your time uh, today and for letting us, uh, most importantly, be a part of your raw select journey. We're so uh, thrilled and proud to host any, any of your amazing shows. So we're, we're really grateful. So thanks very much, dude. Oh, thank you very much. And, and I'm really, like as I think I said last time, I really appreciate putting my putting my show out there for uh, people to listen to.